Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Happy birthday, bitch! Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. You down with AARP? Yeah, you know me. Hey kids, it's Joel spiraling toward a permanent dirt nap cheeseman. And I'm Chad. It's my birthday and I'll drink if I want to, so wash. And on this week's show, Zip Recruiter, more like Dip Recruiter, am I right? <laughs> Will the real canvas please stand up? And Pot, James Bond, and Chad's favorite, Jeff Bezos. Hold tight. We'll be right back with what will probably be our last breaths. You already know that Sovereign makes the world's best resume CV parser. But did you know that Sovereign also makes the world's best AI matching engine? Only Sovereign's AI matching engine goes beyond the buzzwords. With Sovereign, you control how the engine thinks. With every match, the Sovereign engine tells you what matched and exactly how each matching document was scored. And if you don't agree with the way it scored the matches, you can simply move some sliders to tell it to score the matches your way. No other engine on earth gives you that combination of insight and control. With Sovereign, matching isn't some frustrating black box, trust us, it's magic, one-shot deal like all the others. No. With Sovereign, matching is completely understandable, completely controllable, and actually kind of fun. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Happy birthday, bitch! <laughs> 50, man. How's that feel? Uh, feels like 40. Uh, yeah, I'm just... Uh, I, I'm not one for numbers. It's funny because uh, uh, Katrina Collier, she continues to like talk about only so many days until, you know... We're 50 and we were born on the same day. Yep. And I'm like, would you stop the fucking countdown for God's sakes? She's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the final countdown. Yeah. So for those that don't know, you and I were born in the same year, a day apart. So as people are listening to this on Friday, yes, the 28th, it will be my birthday. We're recording this on the 27th, which is your birthday. So happy birthday to both of us. This is the, the birthday show, I guess. Happy birthday, bitch! 
So you, you're sandwiching in a celebration. Uh, you're in Costa Rica for like eight days, oh, and then yeah. you're joining me in Louisville, Kentucky, the Costa Rica of Kentucky, uh, <laughs> to, to drink bourbon and probably forget what the hell we did in Louisville. So Costa Rica, what was that like? You met up with some industry folks. Like, Give me the Costa Rica synopsis. Yeah. So thanks to my beautiful wife, Julie, for taking me to Costa Rica. That was a beautiful, sexy Costa Rican <laughs> trip. And and no question, major thanks to uh, Ethan Bloomfield and his amazing wife, Veronica, for having us down to their beautiful casa, pool, beaches, mountaintop, sunset, watching restaurants in Nasora, Costa Rica. If you don't know Ethan, go back. I think it's a few months. Uh, and uh, we actually did an interview with him. Guy's been in the industry for a very long time. Probably one of the biggest sales minds and hustlers in this space. So guy's awesome. And, and then, so we had a great time in Nassara and it was, it was fun because we took the back roads. And when you'd say back roads in Costa Rica, they're not paved. They're all dirt roads. You're actually taking a four by four through rivers. I mean, it was, it was a really good time. Got down there, enjoyed it. He's got an amazing house, a couple of horses, goat, I mean, it's just fucking crazy. Uh, and then we met up with Nick Livingston of Hone It and his beautiful wife, Corinne, his baby girls. Uh, and they showed us around Tamarindo, which is a, a beach town. And we spent most of the week eating amazing seafood, which I know you love, bar hopping, uh, walking on the beach, lying by the pool and having at least one shot of chili guaro at every place we visited. So it was a good time, man. It just, if you get a chance to go to Costa Rica, flying to Liberia, rent a car, it's an hour away. You're on the beach in Tamarindo, just Mm -hmm. fucking crazy. Now these two guys live there and they're happy there. Like they're good. Oh, fucking outstanding, (laughs) dude. And once you see how you can live in Costa Rica, I mean, and there's a, there's a big variance in, in degrees for, how Ethan owns his own home, has like a farm and horses, has a stable across the street. I mean, it it is so amazing. And then Nick and his family have lived Mm -hmm. there actually, I think a year longer in Tamarindo, pretty much on the beach. A little bit different. They've bounced around Tamarindo in in renting places, but they're getting ready to build. Mm -hmm. So both, I mean, both families just love it there. And I don't see them leaving anytime soon. So is there a pretty heavy expat influence in Costa Rica? I mean, is most, most, I I assume a lot of things are in English anyway, but do you get a sense of like, oh, there's a lot of Americans here or does it still have that feel of Central America? Well, it still has the Central America feel. There's no getting away from that, which is awesome. But definitely Nosora, I would say uh, there's a a great expat community there, even though it's more, I would say, rural uh, Mm -hmm. versus Tamarindo. Tamarindo has a a large expat community. uh, And I mean, it's just, you can't get away from being in Central America and you don't want to. I mean, the sunsets that we saw there and took pictures of, if you follow me on Instagram or yeah, we all on saw Facebook, the pictures, you're probably Thanks. sick of it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they were just too amazing not to share. <laughs> 
a lot of like your first pictures had a bunch of, of likes and then by the you know 800th uh sunset that you shared it was like no likes because we were all pissed <laughs> off at you for, for rubbing it in our face and th- what's up with this swing is there just a random swing on a tree that people can can swing on so that is on the top of a mountain yeah. and you were literally swinging out if you would you remember when you were kids at the playground and you would like swing as far as high as you could and you would jump off Sure. If you did that, you would find yourself rolling down the side of a mountain. I mean, it was like not a cliff per se, but it was almost that. And we were at a restaurant on the top of a mountain in the Sora mm-hmm. and watching the the, the sunset yep. and just getting ready to, to go have a nice, easy, relaxing uh, seafood dinner. Uh, it was it was it was really cool. Okay. So now those that know you pretty well uh know that you'll you'll be leaving the US at some point or at least that's still the plan. I know we haven't connected in a while, but it it looks like it's down to Costa Rica or Portugal. And I asked you as you were gone, so so is Costa Rica now in the uh, the catbird seat for relocation? And at the time you said, "Well, ask me after a month in Portugal." This was at the <laughs> beginning of your trip. Post trip, uh, are you still sort of? Is it still up in the air? Is Costa Rica in the pole position right now? Yeah, I think I think what Julie and I have have finally come to understand is that we want to live everywhere, right? Mm. So we want to be able to take a few years in Portugal, uh, a few maybe a year, maybe eighteen months in Croatia, and then being able to do the same thing in in uh, Costa Rica. And if you follow all of those areas that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. the cost of living there is pretty amazing, right? So we're not rich by any stretch of the imagination, right. but it's one of those things where, you know, you only get one of these on this big blue orb. So shit, yeah. just, you know, go out the way you want to go out. That's how we want to go out. So as long as you can physically and financially do it, you're just going to globe hop. Yeah. Okay. And with the beauty of Airbnb and a few other places, you can do that. I endorse that plan. So I dig it. So which will be first, Costa Rica? I'd say probably uh, Portugal, more than likely. Still the the heavy favorite, but we want to go over and spend uh, probably about a month to figure out where on the southern coast in the Algarve. We mm-hmm. want to we want to plant for who knows how long, uh, but we also want to spend a, a month in in Croatia as well. So we'll uh, we'll see. Well, you, my friend, suck because I have a four year old and I am landlocked <laughs> where I am for quite a while. So, uh, dude, I they have international schools. They have international schools. That is and- true. And my my wife is a professor. Gets to go on uh you know I don't know learning trips and uh you know she goes and teaches place. So I'll get to travel hopefully, but I mean not like your jet setting life of. I'm in Monaco this month and next <laughs> month I'm going to New Zealand and you know, whatever. So anyway, you suck. Uh, but happy birthday nonetheless. Happy and, birthday uh, to we'll, you, man. We'll have a, we'll have a good time in, in Louisville. I'm sure even if it's not Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> so shout outs for me, for sure. Uh, you mentioned Katrina Collier, but it's her birthday um, as well. So happy birthday Love her. to her, the robot hater that she is. Uh, and and I, I saw this as I was looking up uh, anyone on my birthday, which there aren't really any, but I saw that Hung Lee's birthday, friend of the show, is on June 2nd. So an oh. early, early happy birthday to our favorite porn star, Hung Lee. <laughs> 
Well, shout out to Tycho Van Passen over at Vonk mm-hmm. for sending me some Glenn Livet and Julie some Van Gogh vodka. Thanks, man. Really appreciate the birthday Vonk love. Mm-hmm. You know what I got? <laughs> I I caught the Vonk in college. I think we established got that. A shot but, for that, yeah. that. Yeah, I got I got a different kind of shot for the Vonk uh, back in back in college. Uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, to LinkedIn, who's apparently listening to the show uh they launched linkedin boost this week so if you have a company page and you're putting posts on your feed uh just like facebook used to do you can push a boost button and uh without much headache you can boost your post to uh people that are like your followers or you can target it pretty easily so i'm glad that linkedin is making advertising on linkedin a little easier because it really sucks historically big shout out to david nicola who loves the christopher walken outro that's right buddy we've actually been talking about doing some other celebrity outros so keep listening my friend keep listening <laughs> shout out to harry and charlie uh we mentioned this on last <laughs> week's podcast NFTs. So, so uh charlie bit me uh the the popular youtube video from i don't know 2007 the video went up for nft as the original one was uh, auctioned off it went for a blistering seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars <laughs> jesus which isn't quite what uh you know 29 million for a uh, cyberpunk or whatever it was but hey 760 you'll buy a lot of beer so shout out to harry and charlie i hope that finger is healed and if not you've got seven hundred sixty thousand dollars for a new one jesus shout out to seek out that's right anoop gupta winner of deathmatch oh, yeah. also winner of GeekWire's startup of the year great job guys Yeah, well-deserved, well-deserved. Shout out to Vimeo. Speaking of videos on YouTube, people may not even know Vimeo, but they were an upstart in the video sharing uh, landscape a long time ago, and then YouTube stole pretty much all their thunder. Anyway, they went public this week, which is not necessarily noteworthy, but the fact that they have a diverse woman as their CEO... Anjali Sud. I'm probably not saying that correctly. But anyway, shout out to her and shout out to them. It's a big win to have another female in the C-suite on Wall Street. Dig it. Shout out to an Illinois McDonald's who are so def- desperate for staff that they are giving away iPhones to new recruits <laughs> if they stay for six months. All right. Way to go, McDonald's. And then my last shout out is to Delta Airlines, my airline of choice. Thank you. They say mullet hair anti-vaxxers need not apply. Uh, Currently, 60% of Delta employees, roughly 74,000 employees are already vaccinated. And to help maintain that vaccination trajectory, Delta will mandate that those joining the company be vaccinated unless you have an accommodation. I love seeing companies stand firm on this, especially companies like Delta, where we could be transferring the virus, obviously, to other countries. So good job on Delta. Yep. And you you know what I love to see? Whiskey, beer and T-shirts in my mailbox. So if you love free shit, we say it every week, you got to go to chadcheese.com slash free. We've got T-shirts from Emissary. We've got beer sponsored by Adzuna and our favorite whiskey powered by Sovereign. Yes. With that... <laughs> All right, so you were out last week, but you've you've got a you've got to vent a little bit about this whole chatbot feeding frenzy that went on. Uh to set the table for you, 
Pando Logic acquired Wade and Wendy. Stepstone acquired Maya. I don't know what else you want me to go into it. You can listen to the archives if you want to know my opinion. But Chad, what you got? Yeah. So it was funny because I don't know how you feel about it now, but it was almost kind of like, you know, you were somewhat confused why the hell Pando would buy Wade and Wendy. Are you still there or have you come out of that a little bit? I mean, I, I get it. Personally, I think this is a gangster move between the two. I mean, Pando buys Wade and Wendy, Stepstone buys Maya. We'll go into that here in a minute. But I think the Pando buy is a gangster move because employers suck at experience. And now at the very top of the funnel, not only are you targeting candidates better with programmatic, but now you're providing a better experience. Plus, you can feed the conversation into the machine learning beast and digest even more signals to help better target candidates moving forward. So this to me is definitely an experience play, no question, but it's a much larger data play for Pando. And I think this is where Stepstone could prospectively be getting it wrong. Okay. So Stepstone buys Maya. And I think that this is an elementary kind of like step forward for total jobs, which is a job board that nobody knows here in the US, right? But that's it. It's really just an evolutionary play for a job board. Okay, cool. I would be more interested if they bought Maya and integrated it into AppCast, which I'm sure Chris Foreman would love too. Uh, But now Pando can take more data, more signals. They can actually take all the data that they will be getting out of this chatbot, apply it to better targeting, and they might actually jump ahead of AppCast because they'll have better signals in the programmatic space. So I I agree with all that. And I think just, I think the technology is going to be something that most sites have to have much like I think text recruiting, although that hasn't quite integrated like I thought it would uh, for most companies. But, um, you know, the the thing that I found was terms not disclosed on both of these deals. I would have loved to have seen what kind of numbers these companies went for. You'll know that uh, Meyer raised 52 million. uh, Wade and Wendy had raised uh, 11.5 million, whereas AppCast was a big deal at 75 million and something else. So basically like a $100 million deal. It looks like these, these weren't as big or else they would have announced announce that. So I was kind of down on the, the space for a little bit. And then I got a, an email from an agency who said uh, that they'll be announcing a chat bot who they could not name, although the list is pretty short. We could probably come up with it. <laughs> of, they were soon, they were soon uh, going to be announcing a new round of $15 million in capital. I'm going to go with Zor on that one. Aida, if it's you, congratulations preliminarily. If not, we'll get the announcement and talk about who it is. Might be a happy recruiter over in Europe. Who knows? <laughs> or a, a, a sponsor for a short time on the show. So yeah, I think I think it's it, it's smart for both of them and something that a lot of companies should have. I just would have liked to have seen those companies announce a new round of funding because their valuations went up because I think mm. we we're both really bullish on the chatbot technology. But it looks like it's a tougher industry. Yeah, well, I I think the big difference here is one's going to be used strategically. The other one's going to use more tactically, right? Mm -hmm. And you're talking about used pretty much on an island on the job board of total jobs versus being able to prospectively build a much larger weapon in Pando for programmatic for a global, for global use. And I know from AppCast standpoint and from StepStone being able to start to invade the US through AppCast, uh, that I think 
myself, uh, th- that would have made a hell of a lot more sense. But yeah. again, chat, not every chatbot is the same. And maybe Maya just uh, wouldn't have been th- the right fit for um, being able to feed the right information into to AppCast. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I think I think the consensus is that uh, Paradox is the apex predator of the chatbot world. Uh, we'll have to see They what definitely happens. are now. There's no question. Yeah, they definitely are now. I was surprised. Uh, you mentioned the, the European growth and the part of the, the press of, of Stepstone was like, we're going to launch this in, in Germany and we're going to launch it in Britain, the UK. I was kind of surprised that they didn't, maybe it was a strategic thing, but not tout more of a, an in to the American market with the purchase of Maya, who has a, a fairly strong awareness in, in, the, in the US as well as uh, some customers that they could start leveraging for Stepstone. But that might have been more strategic. Yeah. Than, uh, than anything else. They're yeah. coming, folks. They're coming to America. They are coming. Neil Diamond style. They need they need properties, though. So I still believe that Stepstone will will need a property to, to gobble up like a monster, which I think is is ripe for the taking on the clearance rack versus career builder who Apollo is not going to take. Uh, they're not going to take clearance rack cash. That's for sure. Yeah, I would be surprised if there weren't some conversations with our, our buddy Scott Guts about uh, monster. And also, I got to throw this over at at Ronstad. Ronstad mm-hmm. had money from the Ronstad Innovation Fund in Wade and Wendy, right? Yep. And I thought, I really thought that they were going to gobble up Wade and Wendy to be able to provide more efficiencies for all of their clients on the RPO side of the house. But I, the, the, that shit just felt lamp. So yeah, it, you need a pill for that, Ronstad. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, well, the big news... All right, so ZipRecruiter finally went public on the New York Stock Stock Exchange on Wednesday under the ticker ZIP. That's sexy. Uh, It entered the market at around $20 a share, which it went below at one point, and then creeped back up to a little over $21 a share, where it's uh, sort of hovering at the moment. ZipRecruiter management thinks the stock is worth around $25 a share. Uh, which will give the company a $3.3 billion valuation. It seems like things have settled at a roughly $2.8 billion valuation. Uh, some headlines really touted the spike in price. Uh, one Barron's headline read, quote, ZipRecruiter stock surges on debut, end quote. So, Chad, after the Glassdoor head fake pre-pandemic IPO, uh, are you ready to buy some zip? So I have to give it to you. You called this about three years ago, right? Uh, <laughs> and every year since then. Zip, Zip's going IPO. I've got to say, setting this up, Zip is far and away the best brand in our space, period. They have the best brand. And I've also said on the show many times, I also believe Zip is a better, more evolved platform than Indeed. This is what Indeed should have become, right? Instead, Indeed regressed into the early 2000s job board that it is today, where Zip is more of a relevant delivery system of talent. So the the difference in their tech and models are stunning, right? Uh, the, The big difference, uh, I think that that we have to also elephant in the room is is, is revenues. Uh, Indeed is obviously still killing it. But I buy. There's no question. You buy it now. Buy it now. Buy it fast. Uh, because you have to remember, there's a lot of jobs that are going to be needed to fill. This is the time, right? So maybe early next year, uh, take your buyout and sell all your stock. <laughs> 
So this is when we say Chad and I are not financial experts or advisors and don't take stock tips from us. Don't that, call us or tweet at us. That'd be or dumb. sue us, for God's sake. That'd be dumb. Uh, all right. So I have, I have three takeaways uh, from the, uh, the ZipRecruiter IPO. Uh, I'm not nearly as bullish um, as you are. So my first take is, you know, this was not a disaster, but it also wasn't a, a major fireworks show either. Um, and I think that that's an indicative of the market we're in now in terms of you being a job site. And I'll, I'll talk about brand for a second. Uh, and I think number three, but uh, anyway, so this wasn't a, a disaster. You know, one of my takeaways was, you know, if Glassdoor sold for 1.5 billion uh, a couple of years ago, when I think investors, so I think investors are struggling with putting a $3 billion uh, valuation on ZipRecruiter. And I think that sort of came out in the, uh, in the IPO. Um, there's also significant competition. You mentioned Indeed killing it and they are. Uh, so have, they have a lot of challenges in terms of finding growth, although the economy is is growing, I think they're going to have a nice 12 to 24 months uh, to do that. They're also dealing with, we mentioned people coming to America. So whereas ZipRecruiter is going to have to grow internationally where established players are, they're also going to have to uh, you know manage the beachhead here in the US as you have players like Vonk and Stepstone sort of knocking uh, knocking at the door. So you know it was sort of a meh first day. My second takeaway was that it was just sort of meh. Uh, so the, so stock twitch was stock twits, which is a pretty popular site where people talk about stocks and people can follow stocks. Now this is not a scientific commentary, but it was very telling that a name like ZipRecruiter, which is a brand name, people have seen the ads, they've heard the ads, they yep. know they know the name. There are about there are only about 400 people following ZipRecruiter at the end of yesterday, which is less than actually are following Dice. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. People wow. like People like Roblox and Slack and more, some of the more recent names yeah. uh, have tens of thousands of followers. So I thought yeah. that was sort of telling of the market just saying like, eh, a job board. Okay, great. Uh, I think people would rather invest in Roblox or Snowflake or Snap or even Bitcoin. Um, I think a job site IPO in the 90s was cool. Uh, it was .com. It was you know where the, where the world was going. There was no social media. There was no AI and all this other shit. So today, I'm, I just don't think it's that exciting. Number three is... And I think this goes back uh, to your point of tech is that I think they're I think they're losing the narrative that they're not a job board. I mean, they want to grab the quote marketplace matchmaker, which was a quote that uh, Ian said in, in, in many interviews. Uh, but I'm not so sure the market is buying it um, until they're viewed as a tech company. They're going to have a hard time capturing the interest of today's investor. So all these ads that people know of you know the 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 bar owner. With the the flags of colleges in the background saying, "Hey, I posted a job on ZipRecruiter, and I had you know the the woman that was hired walks in." Like everyone knows these ads, right? They need to they need a marketing campaign to get people thinking of them as you know Workday or LinkedIn or a tech. Because as long as they're in this job board posting thing, I think it's going to be really hard for them to to break out of that. So. Those are my three takeaways uh, from Zip. I would uh, I would not not buy. Uh, that not that I give advice. Uh, it might be a hold at this point. Um, I think it probably hovers around the twenties for a while. Maybe gets up to thirty if the economy really fires up and they have some good uh, uh, some good quarterly earnings report. 
But it was exciting to see an IPO. And I think bigger picture is like, is is this going to spur, you know, talent.com who's rumored to be going public or iSims who's, be, who's been rumored to go public? Does this motivate them to do it quicker? I don't think it scared them, but I don't think it was awesome. I don't think it was, oh shit, we got to do it today kind of yeah. thing. I think iSims is going there no matter what. Yeah. iSims is more in that workday bubble than ZipRecruiter is like post jobs. Post jobs isn't getting anybody excited on Wall Street. Yeah. They've got to be seen as instead of a board, which is really a single dimension mm-hmm. uh, into more of a multi-dimensional type of platform. That's what people want to see. The tech, the platform, mm-hmm. instead of just like Trump's social media platform that turned into a, <laughs> a blog. blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this marketplace, marketplace matchmaker, that's kind of sexy. Like push the hell out of that and show how it works, you know, like magic to, to match people to jobs and I think you got something. So uh, we'll definitely be watching their progress uh, in the months and years to come. So yep. more in the news. Jumpstart is now Canvas. Yes, Canvas. Uh, diverse, that. Diversity Recruitment Platform or DRP. I guess that'll be something I'll have to get Derp. used to. Derp. Uh, Jumpstart has rebranded as Canvas. Now, listeners will know Canvas as a text recruiting solution. So Canvas was a bit of a strange rebrand from that perspective, although the brand uh, Canvas that we know is more or less dead. The URL gocanvas.io now goes to Jobvite. On a high note, the new Canvas actually owns canvas.com. Yeah, having $20 million come in, that, that doesn't hurt. It wasn't cheap, but you know, yeah. it, was, it was probably worth it. So in addition to the rebrand, the company also announced $20 million in new funding led by uh, Latchy Group. And Sequoia Capital with participation from Four Rivers Capital. Prominent customers include Airbnb, Bloomberg, Coinbase, Lyft, Pinterest, Plaid, Roblox, Audible, and Stripe. Canvas intends to use the new funding to expand the platform into other industries and verticals beyond technology and address the recruiting process for later stages of people's careers. The company currently has 70 employees and expects to have 100 by the end of 21. The company was founded in 2017 and has raised a total of 32.7 million, according to Crunchbase. Chad, DRPs, that's your lane. Thoughts? Derp. 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 Yeah. Obviously, Jumpstart, now Canvas, is they're trying to, to, to hit that DEI nail right on the fucking head, which, which, which I love. And generally... I do not like additions or categories into our space because generally it just doesn't make any fucking sense. People are making things up. But in this case, the diversity recruiting platform, we don't have many of those. Now, everybody wants to say that they can help, but companies like Olio and possibly Versita are ones who, who, who really could fit in this niche. And there are so many companies who uh, really focus, are they're focusing on DEI now Uh, I think that this is, to me, is a very welcome category. Now, one word of of warning for listeners and leaders who want to become more diverse, a tool and or platform by itself cannot make your company diverse. And and I say that from experience in building hiring platforms and programs. Moreover, watching uh, Julie and Disability Solutions, the, the industry leader up close and personal, actually help enterprise brands hire thousands of uh, diverse individuals from 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 a talent pool this is something that can help incredibly amplify your ability to target and hire diverse talent but tech is never 
a silver bullet. So I, as we hear this from company after company, platform after platform, everybody's at adding DEI. This is one that I think is different. Don't get me wrong. Again, with Olio and, and Versita, but overall, if your team is not ready, if your company's not ready to do business in a different way, no tech is going to help you. What struck me was their their client list. I mean, if you can tout Airbnb, Bloomberg, Coinbase, Lyft, Pinterest, Plaid, Roblox, Audible, and Stripe, uh, you're obviously doing something right. And I think for me, we sort of remember the anniversary of, of George Floyd and what happened last year. You know, I think some of us, some people thought, you know, the, the, the energy around DEI would subside, that some, this would sort of be, uh, you know, issued as your Trump out of office, that this would, this would sort of fade. And I don't, I don't think that it has, we've seen, uh, continuing, um, engagement with the community and incur, uh, more money that goes into sort of curing this this problem. And I think there's a generation, you know, behind us uh, that's really, really going to push this initiative. And I think it's incredibly healthy. Um, so, in, you know, in light of, of, of remembering George Floyd, I think it's it's fair to say that this is a movement that is that is taken hold and that companies that are are supporting this initiative and companies like this that are getting on board, mm-hmm. uh, that it's hard to deny that this is where things are going and that companies that are providing solutions around DEI are going to be successful as long as they can, you know, provide uh, what they're saying and, and uh, deliver yep. on what they what they promise. Well, and remember, we were hearing companies like we were just talking about ISIMs talk about how they want to move to more DEI. To be quite frank, I don't think they're ready. But this organization, uh, I think, is because they're built for it, right? It's it, There's a difference in adapting and being built for it. Because remember, most people do not self-identify during the application process. Most veterans don't self-identify. Most individuals with disabilities, race, gender, you, you, you're not getting the full picture of who's actually applying for a job. Although Olio has done a great job in cracking that self-ID issue. I believe Canvas has as well. And I believe Canvas is actually taking it a step further in being able to create an ecosystem where you can be found as well. So there are these great pieces of tech that are out there that want to say that they are quote unquote diversity enabled or what have you, right? But they weren't built for that. These types of platforms are actually built for it. So there's a big difference. Yeah, it's it's not quite apples to apples, but it was sort of like, you know, jobs to web being SEO friendly yep. and then everyone else saying like, oh, we got SEO too. We did that shit too. But it was yep. it was in their DNA. And I think the companies that have DEI in their DNA are going to be the ultimate uh, winners in this wave. Nice. Happy birthday, bitch. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about TextKernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text uh-huh. kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools 
and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mm, nachos. <laughs> you know, Steve, it feels like we keep getting pushed to hire more and better candidates with no more budget. Right? I wish there was a way to get better results from what we're doing. Actually, I heard in an episode of Chad and Cheese about this framework from Jobvine. Oh yeah, Evolve. It's a technology agnostic framework to help TA teams get better results from their recruiting efforts. And we don't even have to be a Jobvite customer to use it. I bet we would get better results if we orchestrated all of our efforts. You mean like a centralized process and all of our channels working together? For sure. Whether it's job board, social, or even texting with candidates. Let's do that. Jobvite.com forward slash evolve. I'll send you the link. Cool. I'm going to finish watching this episode of Bridgerton. All right. So you're not you're not binging anything now, I assume. Uh, just the Mar of Easttown. Yeah. Yeah. Doing that. We started rewatching Modern Family again because it's got to be one of the funniest sitcoms ever. And yeah. I, I, I love it. So, yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff, waiting for new stuff to pop out on, you know, HBO Max and, and Netflix. We did watch Army of the Dead. Did you watch that? No, I haven't seen that yet. Okay. I'm definitely okay. going to. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be a great dad a and yeah. Cole. Yeah. Just, just you two. Just you two. It is very violent. Yeah. Uh, but I think that would be awesome. Nice. Nice. We're watching, um, are you, have you, are watching Atypical? Oh no. Huh? Okay. It's, uh, it's about a kid with Asperger's or anyway, it's, uh, it's good. I think it's on Netflix. Atypical if you're looking for something. So more to the news. Um, so listeners may remember uh, this company, Bright Hire, and its CEO, Teddy Chestnut, on Firing Squad. Check it out in the archives if you haven't at chadcheese.com. Uh, I won't ruin the episode, but we both were pretty okay with the company. So in the news this week, Bright Hire, based in New York, has raised $12.5 million in funding. Uh, Index Ventures led the round with participation from Next Play Ventures, which is led by LinkedIn chairman and former CEO Jeff Weiner, interestingly, uh, and previous investors include Flybridge Capital and Ground Up Ventures, as well as HR experts Laszlo Bach and Rosanna Dorothy. Founded in 2019, Bright Hire had previously raised $3 million over two funding rounds. Bright Hire's technology records interviews, transcribes them, and analyzes them with the goal of informing more equitable hiring decisions. With the new funding, the company says it will invest in new tech integrations to meet users where they already work, which we obviously applaud, and double down on how the technology can better more equitable provide more equitable hiring with best practices. Interestingly, Bright Hire data revealed that when men interview women, Bright Hire found 
that they, one, take up 13% more of the total talk time in the interviews, two, speak 30% more words overall, three, have more have conversations that are 9% less interactive, and four, run with 6% longer monologues. Yes, men suck. So, Chad, we have another DEI play. You in? Yeah, I think this is definitely more than DEI. And Teddy and team have massive experience and connections in this space, which is something that you and I love to see because we see so many people from the outside coming in thinking they can change the world and then they take a dump, right? So just the mention of Laszlo Bach, Rosanna Dorothy, Jeff Weiner, I mean, that doesn't even do them justice because those are some fucking amazing names, but Teddy and team have a much deeper connection with this space than most. So I see Bright Hire as more of an evolved version of Hire View. It's synchronous and asynchronous, uh, allowing a human to do the interview, have the discussion transcribed, the videotaped. To say that it's diversity, I don't believe because a lot of that has to do with training, right? It's just a tool. This is one of those where this is not built for diversity. This is built for efficiencies. This is built for better process methodologies. This is what we should be using tech for. Yep. But this is not a diversity play. Well, according to their news release. Yeah, everybody's trying to spin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I, I, I think it's great. If you listen to the firing squad that we did with Teddy, I think we don't ruin the episode. Let, make, them, make them listen to it. <laughs> but these guys are definitely ones to watch. Congrats to them on one, the, the I don't know, the bench of talent and brain, brain power that they've collected yeah. uh, with, with folks and what they have. So yeah, we'll be watching Teddy Chestnut, uh, not related to Joey Chestnut, the famous uh, speed eater. Or Mark Chestnut, the country star. Or Mark Chestnut. There you go. Okay. Not related to any of those famous chestnuts. He's, <laughs> he's blazing his own path of fame, Teddy Chestnut. Uh, and speaking of burning uh, your own path, um, so remote working and pot in the news. So following a mad dash for employees to adapt to working remotely, could the future of work be even more complicated? Many companies are trying to adapt to the new hybrid working world. Some are ruling out work from home on Mondays or Fridays, while others are concerned about offices being too crowded on Thursdays. Meanwhile, recruiters say they're having difficulty finding workers who are willing to work five days in the office. Other workers are complaining about vague work from home policies or pandemic era work promises that have not been held. Uh, CEO of Washington Media wrote an opinion piece this week that business leaders had a strong incentive to change the status of staffers who are rarely in the office from full-time to contractor. Meanwhile, job postings that offer, quote, remote work have skyrocketed over the past year, according to analysis from LinkedIn's economic graph team. As of May 20th, the percentages of paid remote job postings on LinkedIn grew 457% from the year earlier. The media and communications industry holds the highest percentage, followed by software and IT Overall, 9.7% of listings across all industries now involve remote work, up from barely 2% a year earlier. So, Chad, what do you make of all this work-from-home chaos? Yeah, there's so many mixed messages we're, we're seeing from the market from employers. And then we're seeing all, all of these companies who don't want to pick between you know work from home, hybrid. I even saw an article this week 
around don't allow your employees to choose when they work from home. It's like, it's, it's, it's again, we talk about control versus autonomy, right? And, and the smartest thing here is to be able to provide autonomy if you have employees who deserve the autonomy, the ones who are actually producing and they're doing their thing, provide them the autonomy to do what they're doing. The company who actually said, I think the, the Washington, uh, Washingtonian uh, media, yep. who said that they're looking at you know the prospect of changing full-time employees to, to contractors, that uh-huh. to me says nothing more than, I hate my fucking employees. And, and, and here's the thing, <laughs> employers out there listening today, step back, take a breath, a deep breath, and realize that you are not in control here. This is something that you share with that individual. And when you try to be in control so damn much, what you do is you push them away, which is probably why you're losing great talent and why we've heard that huge percentages of people are already looking at getting the fuck out as it is. So if you can't understand that your greatest asset is the talent in your organization? You want to, you you think your software is the greatest asset? No. Who actually fucking creates that, maintains it, it obviously builds new features, so on and so forth. It's not the fucking software. It's the people. The people we have to understand is the heart to every single organization, not the fucking widget that you're putting out there, not your fucking stockholders, not your board. The people who are actually doing the fucking work, focus on them, understand that you treat them like humans and pro- provide more autonomy and allow less control. Yeah. So, so I've already referenced, um, since we're, we're turning 50 this week, uh, back to the future, <laughs> I'm going to reference, I'm going to reference Ghostbusters. So there's a, there's a great scene in Ghostbusters where, uh, the three scientists are locked up, the, the Ghostbusters are locked up and they, they plea with the mayor to let them go. And, uh, Dr. Vinkman says basically that the city is headed uh, for a disaster of biblical proportions. And then the mayor says, what do you mean? And then uh, Dr. Uh, Aykroyd's character says, what he means is Old Testament shit. Brimstone <laughs> coming down from the sky, rivers boiling, shit like that, yeah. right? And then, of course, uh, Murray's character comes in and says, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. So this feels like this feels like that scene in the movie where nobody knows what the fuck is going on uh, advisors or whatever saying they think they know what's going on. When we first started this work from home thing, everyone was like, work from home forever, right? Twitter came out, all these tech companies. And it was like, you know what? Get your ass back in the office. So then we had, you know, unions and uh, organizations rise up and say like, you know what? We don't want to just come back to work or we don't want to have to petition you organization about when we should uh, work from home or how we should be able to work from home. And they don't necessarily want like, oh, we'll get Monday and Fridays off like Friday casual day. Right. So so you have this force of the 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 company that have these leases and they want control and they want the power and they want uh, you know, granted, they want creativity in the office and they want all the good things that come with that. But then you have the workers who are like, you know what, that year at home, that was kind of nice, yeah. you know, being able to 
to do what I want, eat from home, make a steak on the grill, whatever. So now it's cats and dogs living together, mass hysterica, has mass hysteria. And I don't think how I don't know how this is gonna how this is gonna play out. Uh, I guess every company is gonna have their own thing. Companies with knowledge workers will be different than those with like you know warehouse workers and how all that pans out. But this is indicative all the different sides of this story of how fucked up this issue is. And it, I don't think we're anywhere near coming to some sort of settlement or standard with what work from home looks like. Yeah. So as a result, Chad, it's no surprise that workers are getting high to take a little edge off from all this ruckus. Uh, The number of American workers testing positive for marijuana (laughs) continues to rise, according to the Wall Street Journal. About 2.7% of the roughly 7 million drug tests uh, that go on with a company called Quest Diagnostics that were performed for employers in 2020 were positive for marijuana compared to 2.5 in 2019 and 2% in 2016. Drug tests, while less prevalent than in previous decades, thanks to a shifting legal backdrop and changing cultural attitudes, are still standard in some industries for new hires. However, employers say removing marijuana testing is one way to, quote, more easily recruit workers, you think, in 2021. So, Chad, you ready to toke up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it's as low as 2.7%. Like, that's a new story. Yeah, no, sure. it's fucking crazy. But I mean, seriously, message to employers, stop testing for marijuana. I mean, it's fairly simple. If you're not doing a BAC test for alcohol when somebody's coming through the door, don't be dumb. Just stop testing for marijuana. There, there's no reason for it, right? If somebody comes in the door and they smell like alcohol, what are you going to do? You're going to send them fuck home, right? If somebody comes and they smell like they've been token up, what are you going to do? It's send them to a, a freaking beanbag chair, give them some Cheetos about an hour and then send them off to work. They'll be fine. Jesus. By the way, just like we don't give financial advice, we also don't give legal advice. So please don't don't create your background check policy based on this podcast. I'm sure anyone who's hiring teachers, bus drivers, truck drivers, don't listen to Bean us. Bean chairs. If, if the lawyers tell you to, to background check for a no, shit like that. Fuck it, fucking attorneys, shit. man. That's that's one of the biggest <laughs> issues we have in the workplace today. Happy birthday, bitch. <laughs> As the best ad tool in the industry, JobAdX has been providing job board publishers, direct employers, agencies, RPOs, and staffing firms, dynamic job bidding and real-time ad delivery through our programmatic job advertising exchange. When we started, we described JobAdX as AdSense for jobs. Now, we offer much more with Switchboard and LiveAlert, completing our full suite of dynamic programmatic advertising tools with the best of consumer ad tech. Switchboard offers our dynamic technologies to all partner job board feed management, and LiveAlert eliminates latency and expired job ads via email. For more information about any of our ad solutions, please reach out to us at joinus at jobadx.com. That's joinus at jobadx.com. JobAdX, the best ad tool providing smarter programmatic for all your advertising needs. <laughs> so real quick, you were talking about Atypical earlier, mm-hmm. as well as a series that just came out, I think with season two that Julie and I love oh. called Special. And if you haven't watched it, Joel, you and Christine, you and Christine, watch yeah. it. Uh, it's about uh, a, a young gay dude who has cerebral palsy. And mm-hmm. it is one of the funniest fucking. I mean, it's hilarious. You will you will die laughing. 
Nice. By the way, atypical is autism, not Asperger's. Oh, so yeah, I just want to get that on right. The spectrum, yeah, the, yeah. Because I've I've got to see Julie this weekend, and if I fuck up the wrong, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I don't want to get canceled, but if if I piss off Julie, it's going to be a bad week. So I don't <laughs> want to do that. It's autism, everybody. Watch atypical for autism. Atypical okay. or special? Do do them both. Yes. Special. Now, will either of these be on our next news story? Amazon buys. There you go. MGM, the lion. Dude, this is a gangster move, dude. By your boy, Jeff. Yeah, I got to say, man, on his way out, he's definitely doing, he has a gangster move. We're talking about 4,000 movies and 17,000 TV shows. Now, this in itself, I don't think it was a full response because the content wars are on. There's no question. Uh, Netflix is winning that right now. But Amazon had to do this because AT&T, who's trying to catch up as well, announced that Warner Media would be spun off and combined with Discovery. The deal brings together a bunch of different brands like Warner Brothers, Discovery Channel, HBO, CNN, HGTV. It's about to heat up. Oh, it's red hot, baby. Uh, <laughs> so so the, the crowning jewel of this deal was uh, James Bond, uh, but also included Rocky, The Handmaid's Tale, RoboCop, Jeez. one of our a show favorite, uh, Legally Blonde, and the Epics TV Network. Wow. $8.45 billion uh, is a lot of cabbage. Yeah, the world seems to be coming down to who owns your attention. Yes. Uh, and nothing gets attention like great content that you and I binge on on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. If companies can leverage uh, content for a monthly recurring revenue and, conti- and continue selling you shit via their platforms, then it's it's winner take all. You know, Disney, Apple, Amazon are just three that in addition to content, they sell you shit. Right, they sell you hardware. They sell you pack, you know, shit that comes to your door. They sell you trips to to Orlando, and they all gain in in two ways. Of yeah, you're paying monthly revenue, but now you're also buying their shit, and it's it's fun to watch uh, Apple originals and how much Apple shit gets into these shows. Uh, if Amazon can raise pricing, for example, uh, on their 200 million Prime subscribers, another let's call it 20 to 25 percent over the next decade, then this was a deal that cost them nothing. Uh, because they're going to make that money on recurring revenue just from people using Prime. I think you mentioned Netflix being in the in the pole position, and I think that you're right. But I think it's getting to a point where too many of these companies like Peacock and a few others, it's like they're bringing a pea shooter to a howitzer fight. And Netflix, I think, has to make a move like buy Roku or buy the rails uh, in some degree to make, make their position solid because these companies that own the world, let's be honest, are making some really big buys to, to, to take aim at, at Netflix. So I think they, make, they have to make a big move at some point. But they're definitely in the discussion as well. Uh, but it's it's very interesting to watch. It's very sad that that all these services were built on saving money, mm-hmm. and I'm paying like two x what I used to pay for Direct TV. <laughs> it's like such a racket. But yeah. We all pay, so, man. So let's put this into context real quick. So 4,000 films, 17,000 TV shows, less than $8.5 billion. And how much did Microsoft pay for LinkedIn? $26.2 billion. Think about that. All that yeah. content, less than $9 billion. LinkedIn, more than double MGM and in the catalog. And would you rather have James Bond or Jeff Wiener? <laughs> Happy birthday, bitch. We, we out. out. Thank you for listening to 
What's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.